This is a podcast from the Haven Church Stapleford, Nottingham. We hope you enjoy it. It's a great joy to welcome you to another Sunday service at the Haven in Stapleford. I trust you will enjoy the service and be blessed by it. We're going to start off with some worship and then we're going to hear the word from David Mansfield, our senior pastor.
Good morning and welcome to today's All Age section. We had a lot of fun making this one um, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. It's the story of Jonah and the big fish which we find um, in the Old Testament in the Bible. And the story of Jonah goes a bit like this. God has asked Jonah to give a message to the people of Nineveh but Jonah doesn't like the people of Nineveh very much and he doesn't think it's fair. And so he runs in the opposite direction. 
and he gets on a boat. And while he's on the boat, there's a big storm. And Jonah realizes that the storm is there because he is running away from God. And so he says to the sailors, throw me in the sea. And so they do. But you see, God doesn't leave Jonah to drown in the sea. He sends something to rescue Jonah. He sends a big fish. And the big fish swallows Jonah whole. And Jonah lives inside it for three days. And then the fish is sick and sicks Jonah up onto land. And this time God asks Jonah again, will you go to Nineveh and tell the people of Nineveh my message? And this time Jonah does. And we made a stop frame animation video that tells this story. Hope you enjoy it. See you next week. Well, uh, welcome again. And uh, we're going to continue our journey through Mark's Gospel and uh, taking a look at everything that Mark has to say to us about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And uh, we're in chapter three. We're, we're uh, uh, cracking on now. We're, we're really getting there. And uh, uh, this morning we're going to be looking from verse 13. So Mark's Gospel, chapter three at verse 13. And uh, it reads like this. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave, gave the name Peter, James and Zebedee, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the names Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Um, and uh, there's some interesting names to juggle with there if you want to. Um, so let's start out with, with uh, just some kind of a, a overview of what's going on here. And um, the thing about disciples. Um, as we uh, look around and kind of generally take in, um, uh, you know, the culture of uh, churches and, and the world of art and, and media and all of those sorts of things, um, when you see pictures of the disciples, so the classic one would be the Last Supper. You see the disciples seated around a table with Jesus at the Last Supper and you see all these old men uh, with grey hair and big grey beards and they all look like they're in their 60s or something and and uh, you know that um, they've been around the block a few times and uh, it, you get that um, kind of impression that, it, that it's almost like you know um, they're all a step away from the retirement home kind of thing which uh, clearly uh, with what follows and the things that they do with their lives clearly is not uh, the case but um, we are misled by those things and uh, they're, they're not a real representation of uh, the the New Testament um, uh, position of, of what's going on, how all of these things work. So let's think first of all about um, about age and uh, the whole uh, thing going on. We're we're fairly sure that that most of Jesus' disciples um, uh, were in their teens. Uh, the twelve that he appointed, uh, it's likely that Peter was. Um, 20 or into his 20s uh, but the rest of them were teenagers now uh, there's there's a couple of good reasons for this but one if you're looking for a bit of a 
biblical reference that you can hang on to. Um, when, when they're headed to the temple, you might remember that Peter says to Jesus, what about the temple tax? And, and Jesus sends him down to the lake and the, he finds a fish uh, and um, the fish has coins in its mouth, which is to pay the temple tax with. And, you know, Jesus sends him to get one coin for him and one coin for Peter. And so your first question would be, what about the other 11 disciples? Well, you don't start paying the temple tax until you're 20. And so um, if they were teenagers, which is what I'm suggesting to you, then they wouldn't have needed to pay the temple tax. It was just Jesus and Peter who needed to have, have paid that. Now, what, what are the reasons have we got for thinking this? Well, uh, Jesus is often referred to as rabbi, which I think is significant. Rabbi uh, literally means uh, teacher. But in the New Testament setting, um, a rabbi had a kind of a role to perform in uh, not just teaching, but actually in mentoring and training and developing people to carry on his work after he's gone. And the typical uh, rabbinical school would be a group of 12 boys who were in their teens. So, so the rabbi would look for 12 bright uh, kids who, who were, uh, you know, um, alert and, uh, and wanting to learn and, and kind of, you know, uh, enthusiastic about the idea of adopting that kind of life. He would look for 12 of them. Um, I, I would suggest probably late teens. I mean, um, you know, 13 year olds, maybe not 17, 18 year olds, probably so. Uh, and these are the sort of uh, people that the, that the rabbi would be looking for to to form this group, this rabbinical school. And then they would go where, wherever the rabbi went, they would go. Whatever the rabbi did, they would do. And the aim was that they would carry on the, the role and the mission and the ministry of the rabbi after the rabbi was gone. And so if you add that to the situation with Peter and the, the coins in the, in the mouth of the fish and one or two other things that you see, actually, when you understand that, there's various things that you see that suddenly start to make sense because you realise these are not guys in their 30s, apart from Jesus, but these are guys, you know, in their late teens who they're probably not making the same sense of things that you and I are trying to make of it. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you something suddenly such kind of slot into place so let's just kind of register that that's that's what's going on here and um we read in, in verse 13 there and he went up the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons so he appoints um 12 guys to be his team he appoints these 12 guys that he is uh, naming um, apostles. There's, there's nothing to be um, too concerned with over the naming apostle. Apostle literally means sent one. Um, so the sent one um, is there to represent the person who is sending. So if I apostello you, I'm sending you somewhere to represent me and, and to carry my thoughts and, and my mission to wherever it is I have sent you. Um, so that that's uh, quite um, easy to deal with. But Here's the thing. Uh, look at the guys that he calls. So you could be forgiven for thinking, what on earth are you doing again, Jesus? <laughs> We've had a few of those moments already. What on earth are you doing? And here, um, you know, what is he doing? He's 
taken a dozen guys from all sorts of walks of life. He's got fishermen and tax collectors. He's got a political enthusiast. You know, he's got all sorts of uh, different characters uh, that he's joined together there. And, and none of them have any training for this or background in this. None of them have any track record, uh, particularly of, of, you know, uh, some, uh, some of them will undoubtedly, and, and possibly all of them, will have had some rudimentary theological training in Judaism. But apart from that, they'll have no track record, no experience. Uh, they, they're young and they're immature, and there's a great big mission ahead. Uh, and you would be forgiven for thinking, Jesus, what on earth are you doing here? Why would you pick such a bunch of people? Well, from the outset, uh, let me just say this. There are things about these guys that are clear. Now, there are things that are unclear and there are things that are a little more difficult to deal with. But as you as you look at these guys, it seems to me that the attraction is this. And, of course, don't forget, and in, it doesn't say it in Mark, but in other Gospels, it tells us that um, Jesus spent the night praying before he made his decision. So these were not just random picks. It wasn't like, you know, the school playground when you're picking a football team and you just keep picking until there's nobody left it wasn't a random kind of thing like that he spent the night praying and asking the father who he should choose and these are the guys guys that he picks so what have they got going for them well the first thing is that actually i think you see in the lives of the disciples you see a genuine level of commitment to jesus and the cause and you know they have to put up with some rough stuff that that most rabbis would not have to put up with they have to put up with persecution that that most rabbis would not have to deal with they have to put up with people giving them pushback and scorning them and on occasions you know they wanted to kill jesus and and if the disciples were around you can imagine they got some of the flack from that there's all sorts of stuff that goes on in this journey that you know these guys live through and and come through you know so so there's clearly a level of commitment in these guys how much of that it, it was possible to see at the beginning but the father knows and so when Jesus is asking the father who should I choose the father knows that actually in these guys there is this commitment that sits there um, I would want to suggest that they were teachable when you look at some of the interactions between the disciples and Jesus and he tells them to do things and they ask questions and the, you know uh, that clearly there is a development that is going on there that is a result of the fact that these disciples are teachable, that they're prepared to be told, they're prepared to be led, they're prepared to be told, they're prepared to be developed and grown by the rabbi. And, uh, and so committed and teachable. I would want to suggest faithful that, that you know, there are plenty of times when they could have uh, deserted Jesus and run off and they didn't. And now, you know, the, the, the crucifixion and the events surrounding that is something a little different and much more difficult. And you can understand the confusion and the, and the, and the struggles there that they would have had. But they didn't, um, in the end, they didn't desert him. When they didn't know what was going on, they went back to what it was they were doing before. But then Jesus goes and finds them and they're straight back on track. So there is a faithfulness there uh, amongst them and there is a faith-filled aspect to these guys as well that um, you read again in the gospels that when Jesus does something significant um, very often there's this little phrase that follows, follows it that says and they put their faith in him they put their trust in him um, and so they are faithful and they are faith-filled and they're expectant now you you could um, suggest that some of this is because they are getting glimpses of who Jesus is. They've never met anybody like him before. They see him do some fairly spectacular stuff straight off the bat. 
And, um, uh, you know, so you, you would, is it any wonder that they're expectant? Is it any wonder that they are walking and, and talking with Jesus and living their lives with him? And that when they come across various situations, they're expecting something spectacular to happen. They're expecting something miraculous. They're expecting God to move in ways that they hadn't seen before Jesus. And so I think those things together uh, would make them fairly solid candidates. They might not you know, have the CV that we would want them to have, but we can see about them. They're committed, they're teachable, they're faithful, they're faithful, and they're expectant. And that's what puts them in line for discipleship. And, you know, yes, um, uh, immature, yes, untrained, yes, no track record, but you see all of these things start to grow in them as they go through the journey. Uh, the starting point is not the finish point. So, you know, we need to see that, that there is a journey here that they engage with. And as they engage with the journey, things get better. And uh, Mark says that Jesus um, appointed them uh, to be with him, to preach and to get involved in the ministry of deliverance. He's not, uh, um, he's not retaining them with no brief. He's not, he's not calling this team together and saying, well, we'll just see what happens. But actually, there is a clear mission involved here. And, you know, that speaks very much to us as well. You might not feel that you have the qualifications to be a disciple in that sense. You might not feel that, you know, you, you have the gifts that are necessary. Um, but what is necessary is our commitment and our uh, teachable hearts and our faithfulness uh, and uh, you know allowing ourselves to grow in faith and being expectant for God to do things uh, and then of course getting engaged in the work of preaching uh, and uh, the the ministry you know the healing the deliverance all of those things us getting engaged in those things as we follow uh, Jesus is all part of the plan and the purpose for us as well so um, you know we can see uh, some fairly clear things that are going on with the 12 that Jesus picks for his team uh, but I want you to know today that you are also picked for his team that, that, that there is a reason that God called you and because he loves you yes but there's more there's always more and there is a reason that God has called you and a purpose that he has singled you out for and it's important that we grasp a hold of these things and begin to engage with them it continues uh, verse 14 and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out and preach and have authority to cast out demons so i've already mentioned the thing about um, apostles what is that all about the word apostle is used 80 times in the new testament and it literally means one sent as a messenger or agent the bearer of a commission so uh, these guys as we are are called out to uh, to be messengers on behalf of the one who sends us, to be an agent. An, an agent, you know, has the power to um, negotiate on behalf of the person who has retained them as an agent. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we as we are, are called, we are called as messengers, but we are also given um, a, a responsibility uh, by Jesus who sends us to, to represent him as his agents in the world and um, of course that third aspect there of apostleship is um, a commission that we have been given a commission what is our commission well Matthew 28 it's to go out into the whole world and uh, and to dis make disciples of people and teach them everything that Jesus has taught us that's that's the uh, command to us that's the that's the commission and um, those three things sit together we carry a message 
We are agents of Jesus and we are to engage in continuing the mission of Jesus. The things that he said and did, those are the things that we should be saying and doing. And he gives an authority for that. He, he appoints them. And, uh, you know, I wanna, when we are called by God, and I want to be clear by this, when we are called by God, when he puts his hands on our lives and we come to that place where we repent of our sins and we decide to follow Jesus, there is an appointing. You are appointed and you are anointed, uh, you know, in the Holy Spirit to become all of these things that we're talking about here. Uh, that you were not just saved just so that you could kind of enjoy the rest of your life a bit more until you go to heaven. There is purpose here. There, There is strategy. There is a mission. And you are commissioned to be a part of that. And uh, it's very important that we see that and understand that Jesus is sending us. He is apostoloing us uh, into the world to be his representatives and to do the things that he came to do. And he gives them authority he gives them authority it says in mark to cast out demons uh, so it's not just about the message it's also about getting involved in this um battle you know against the uh, forces of darkness the forces of evil that, that you and i are to be the ones who in a dark world bring light how do we bring that light? Well, part of that, of course, is the message that we are to bring the message of the gospel to people that, and, and shine light in, into people's lives in that respect. But it also includes, and you've got to look at the, the, um, the mission of Jesus and the life of Jesus holistically, it also includes healing the sick. It also includes delivering people who are possessed. It also demeans, you know, it, it means um, helping people who are marginalized and oppressed and, uh, you know, in, in all kinds of trouble. It means bringing wisdom. It means bringing encouragement. It means bringing support. All of those things, this is the battle that we are fighting. These are the things that we are to engage with. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but our, our battle is in a spiritual sense. And that's why the weapons that we fight with are not you know, guns and knives, but actually the gospel and the outworking of the gospel. So the communication of it in speaking it out and the healing and the deliverance that comes as we obey the call of Jesus and, and reach into the lives of others with the authority that he's given us to see those lives changed and to see people help, to minister to the sick and the possessed and people who are lost and suffering and people who are marginalized and, and hurting and to, to bring the love and the peace and the reconciliation that God has for every human being to, to be the ones who carry that and bring it to other people and see their lives changed by it. It's no small thing, but our call is to change the world and our call is to start with whatever God has put in front of us. And, and we must open our eyes to these things and understand that actually we are appointed for this and we have been given authority for this, authority to minister into these things. Now, before you start disqualifying yourself from all of this stuff, before you start coming up with a list of, list of um, reasons and uh, you know, ideas about why you don't need to involve yourself in this, uh, and why you're not suitable for this and why you're going to struggle with this. I want you just to think for a moment about that list of names that we get and the people that Jesus actually calls to engage in this ministry. So 
um, at verse 16, we've got Simon, um, uh, Simon, who he uh, names Peter. Uh, we've got James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and, and he calls them the sons of thunder. Um, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, who is famous, and what a thing to be famous for, who is famous for doubting the resurrection until he sees Jesus himself. Um, and uh, James and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Zealots were a, 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 a political group who sometimes you know got a bit um you know aggressive uh, uh, uh you know not just politically but in terms of trying to push uh, their agenda and particularly to be rid of the the roman uh, authorities and all that kind of thing and you've got judas iscariot who in the end betrays jesus and, and uh, you've got quite a bunch here you've simon peter who you know open mouth insert foot Simon Peter was not good uh, at asking the right question. He was not good at saying the right thing. We find several times where Jesus is doing something and Peter interacts with, with Jesus in what's going on. And you, and you think, Peter, why did you do that? You know, why did you ask that? Because that's just, you know, if you were six, I can understand that. But you're 20, you know, what on earth? You know, and Peter has clearly has a, a bit of a journey to take in grappling with this stuff because he doesn't quite understand it and he's not sure what to say or what to do. And, you know, Jesus has to work with him to take him through all of that. But listen, it's on the job training. Peter's not sitting around waiting until he's good at this. It's on the job training. They're out there fulfilling the mission while Jesus is helping him. You've got James and John, who it seems are forever arguing, and particularly arguing about which one of them is better than the other, which one of them deserves the seat at Jesus' right hand, uh, you know, when he comes into his kingdom. They're, they're, they're forever, you know, banging against each other, so much so that Jesus nicknames them the sons of thunder. Um, so you've got guys who are a little bit volatile here, you know, um, emotionally and, and in terms of their perceptions and the way they deal with things. You've got Matthew, who, who's a tax collector, who would have been absolutely reviled by the community, who would have been hated by, by Jews, and yet Jesus chooses him to be part of his team. You've got Thomas the doubter, Thomas who, you know, when they're telling him that Jesus is risen, he is really, you know, he's not buying this at all until he can see Jesus and touch him and, and know that it's just, so Thomas, you know, having doubts about all sorts of things. And then you've got Judas who betrays Jesus. And there are so many questions that, you know, when I get to see Jesus face to face, there are so many questions that I want to ask about this. Did he know from the beginning that Judas would betray him? Uh, I mean, Jesus clearly knew that, that he was going to come to a sticky end, that it was going to be, you know, uh, that it was going to be painful, that it was going to be difficult, that he was that there was going to be an event where he would pay uh, for the sins of the world, where he would take that upon himself. But did he know it was Judas that would pull the plug? Did he know it was Judas that would betray him? Um, I, you don't get any impression that Judas is treated any differently than the other disciples in terms of, you know, time with Jesus and attention paid and encouragement and training and development and, you know, all, all of those sorts of things that are going on as Jesus works with his team. You, you, there's nothing at all to suggest that Judas was exempt from any of that. There's, uh, you know, that moment or two when uh, there's the question over what, what's happening with the money and Judas was the one who used to take care of the money and, you know, maybe there was something there that was a part of his uh, downfall, you know, and um, Judas was, would always be the one to ask the questions, why are we doing this when that money could go to the poor and, and you know? 
so uh, there was clearly a little something uh, going on there. But Jesus picks him as part of his team. He is not disqualified because Jesus you know, knows or, or doesn't know that somewhere down the line, this guy is going to fail. Somewhere down the line, this guy is going to make a complete mess of things and, and end up being the one who betrays him. Uh, Jesus picks all of these people with all of these problems and difficulties. And, and that's not all of them. You know, <laughs> these are just the ones that we clearly know about. That's that's not all of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, he Jesus picks them. He's not daft. He's not blind. He's consulted with the father. And this is the team that he picks. Now, if these guys are all worthy of getting on the team, there can be nothing that disqualifies you from doing the same. There can be nothing that, that, that we can look at that would say, oh, you can't be a disciple. You can't be a follower. It's just not there. Look at these guys and Jesus handpicks, handpicks these guys out of all of the people that he could choose. Now, I want you both to be encouraged and challenged by that. I want you to be encouraged in that actually, even with my frailties and my issues and and my inability and my lack of abilities and, you know, even with all of the things that make make up me, uh, uh, that are the kind of, if you like, the negative parts, the downside of me, even with all of that, Jesus still calls me and wants me to be a disciple. Jesus still calls me and wants me to be a part of his team. Jesus wants me to engage in this mission. And actually, uh, none of that stuff should stop me. None of that stuff should hold me back. Uh, we're going to get plenty of on-the-job training. You know, we're going to learn as we go, uh, but we must start to engage and get on this journey uh, in order for that to happen, because that's the way Jesus has chosen to do it. And you have been picked for this team. You have been picked for Team Jesus, and we've got to rise up and get ourselves involved in doing the works of Jesus. So Jesus, our leader, our great example a great example here, actually, in showing that, you know, we shouldn't be trying to do these things on our own. Um, now, Jesus picks a team for a lot of reasons. But I think one of the reasons is you don't, he wants to teach us, you don't do this on your own. When he sends them out, he sends them out in twos. No, nobody's supposed to, you know, struggle with this on their own. We're all supposed to be involved in this, but we're supposed to be in it together. And Jesus calls us to be a part of this. There is nothing nothing that can disqualify you from following Jesus. If you have repented on you, of your sins and you've decided that you're going to follow him, that you've given your life to him, you are a part of this team and it's time to rise up and take your place in it. You need to remember that you have been appointed by the living God. You've been appointed by Jesus. You need to remember that not only have you been appointed, but you've been anointed and given authority to exercise this ministry, to, to, uh, let the Holy Spirit draw the gift of God out of you in reaching out to this world around us and touching people's lives with it. You are sent with an authority. You are a sent one uh, to preach the, the words of Jesus, to teach what he taught, to reach out, to pray and see the sick healed, to see the, the oppressed delivered, to see lives changed. That is the role that you are called to. And uh, Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, will empower you for this ministry. And it is important, okay, it is really important to to register this in ourselves, that actually we 
we are not called to sit back and wait until we feel ready. We're not called to sit back and wait until we feel gifted. But we are to get up now and get going now. And that as we do that, God will come. The Holy Spirit will come and he will help us and he will empower us and he will give us everything that we need to be everything that Jesus is calling us to be. There are no excuses. There are no disqualifiers. And the time to start is now and some of us you know some of us have claimed to be followers of Jesus for a lot of years and the truth is we've not really followed some of us have claimed to be believers and we've not really believed and I want to challenge you this morning that if that's you that if you if you fall into that category you know it's time to to have a an honest assessment of your following have you done the things that Jesus has called you to do have you have you been a part of team Jesus have you reached out the people around around us and you know yes um you know you might have engaged in other areas of church life and you might have done other things and, and that's important and that's good and you should be encouraged you know uh, by that and and you know thank you for doing that but there is a call on all of our lives to engage in the mission of the gospel to the people around us and if we are not rising up to that then we are not following what Jesus has commanded us to do and is preparing us for and is you know is gifting and anointing us for and giving us authority for it's time to rise up and engage and I hope you're challenged by that this morning um, I hope you're also encouraged by the thought that you're not in this alone and that God uh, is going to come and help you every time you start to walk in that way um, and uh, I pray that over these coming days and weeks God will put things in front of you that will help you to just um, break out and start to engage with this wonderful life of being a disciple of Jesus. God bless you and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Well another great message from Pastor Dave, thank you for that. Father God, we thank you that you are an awesome God. We declare you as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And we, at this time, Lord, acknowledge that you are the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-creating God. I ask, Lord, that you would just pour your blessing out on your people, Lord. That you would just um, let them know that you're close at this time, Lord. As, as we struggle through these times lord we just pray that we would become closer and closer to you lord we pray for our government and our leaders lord that you would help them to make decisions that would lead us forwards in a positive way father god we thank you for our nhs service we thank you for all those people that continue to serve and and lord that we just ask that you would bless them amen Thank you for joining us. If you want to contact us at any time, please email info at havencentre.co or find us on Facebook, The Haven Centre.